the official Autodesk Inventor podcast. My name is Garen Gardner. I'm the Technical Marketing Manager for Autodesk Inventor. Today is Wednesday, October 10th, and this is episode number 17. Well, welcome to yet another episode of the official Autodesk Inventor podcast. And hopefully, those of you that uh, that have watched the podcast in the past, hopefully you liked our new intro. That was an intro. The last, last couple of weeks we've been on the road we had a media summit in Paris and that was something that we showed to some of the press members and it's quite a flashy video I think so I thought that I would use it for the first of the podcast so hopefully it's not too annoying hopefully you guys don't mind it's about a minute uh, minute minute and 20 and uh, I may cut it down a little bit in the future but um, kind of a cool video but uh, typically I like to have podcasts a little bit sooner apologize for the delay as I mentioned I've been traveling a little bit lately and then my wife and I actually had a, a new little one so it's it's definitely taken me a little while to catch up and uh, to jump into the swing of things so with all that out of the way let's take a look at the actual tips and tricks section of the podcast I'm sure that's what you guys all came for anyway uh, this month we're going to talk a little bit about eye parts, eye assemblies, some other little tips and tricks that you can use along the way but for those of you that have a need for creating eye parts and eye assemblies, I think this will be a nice little tip for you, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. So I'm going to roll the tip and trick and enjoy the podcast. I'm going to take a look primarily at creating eye assemblies, eye parts, and a few other little things along the way. Um, first off, you'll notice the assembly that we're going to use here is just a regular assembly. It's not an eye assembly. And we need to, to finish up our design to, uh, before we make it into an eye assembly. So you'll notice that we don't have an arm that's connecting our, our knob and our front nozzle. And ideally we want to be able to connect that up and then we want to be able to create an eye assembly where both the housing and the arm between the, the two components will stretch out so that I can have a short version and a long version. And I don't necessarily want to have two different assemblies for this. That's one of the benefits of having a configured assembly that everything is self-contained in one assembly and then I can make uh, I can make those design changes so the first thing that we want to do let's come over to the arm and kind of a side note here we want to be able to create some holes in here and then we need to make the a, uh, eye apart out of this with the short version and the long version so in creating the holes one of the quick tips in here that I like to point out 
is the ability to create iMates. So you may not be aware of what iMates allow us to do. It's basically just an, an i well, it's it's basically a constraint that's saved in a part file. So when I pull it into an assembly, it typically knows where to go already. So we're going to tell it to create an iMate, and we're going to do a couple of concentric holes on the end. We'll tell it to do a through all and something like five millimeters. So we'll create one on that end and one on the other end. Now you'll notice when we do this that it's adding little glyphs in here. These are the iMates. In fact, if I look in the browser, I can see that I have these iMates. And I can rename these, which helps me have it connect to the right locations in the assembly if I choose. But right now, we're pretty pleased with how this looks. So really, the next thing that we want to do is have two different uh, configure or two variations of this, a short and a long. So if you've created iParts in the past, you know it's a, a pretty straightforward process. There are, there's a little tip that I'd like to add. Some of you may not be aware of this. So the first thing, we'll create the iPart, and then we'll get into the tip portion of it. So in the iPart, we're going to come in and create two different members. So we'll tell, we'll just right-click and add a row. And we're going to name this 100 millimeters. And this is basically the file name. And then we'll also give it a part number of 100 millimeters. Down here, this one we're going to have 120 millimeters. This isn't the, the length of the arm. This is actually the length of the overall assembly, which, you know, depending on, on how you want to call this out, this is just reference for the part number in the member. So you'd probably have these different. Uh, but in here, we have the two different members. Now, the conventional way of creating I parts is you would then come in here and add the parameter that you're going to make modifications to and then manually change the, the parameters which is pretty straightforward but if there are a lot of different changes like uh, suppressing fillets changing a lot of different parameters this this could get fairly large and it could be a little difficult to try to manage so one of the things that we did a release or so ago is we added the ability to do all of this on the fly so the first thing that we're going to do is come in to customize our toolbar and I'm just going to turn on a different toolbar you'll notice that if I scroll down we have a toolbar that's called iParts and iAssemblies and you'll, you'll notice that if I've created, if I've turned a part or an assembly into an iPart or an iAssembly as we just did, that these will not be grayed out. So in here you'll notice I have a couple of different things. I have the ability to edit a factory scope and I also have the ability to edit a member scope. So the difference there, by default, how Inventor has always worked is as a factory scope. So if I change to fill it on this part, it would change that fillet across all of the members, not just one particular member. Well, we added the ability to come in and do just a, a member scope. So what this allows me to do is tell it which member I want to make a modification to. And then I can just simply come in and make any kind of modification. So in this case, we're just going to change a parameter value. We're going to add 20 millimeters. So it's a little bit longer. So now I can look at this. In fact, I should have done this beforehand, but uh, if you remember right, we had just the, the member and the, param or the part number. Now it automatically added our D0 equation. And if I lengthen this out, we can see what it added. So in this case, you know, it would have been very easy for us to do this manually, but think about if we had a complex part, this could be really difficult. So being able to turn on the member scope and make changes there is really nice. So we're going to save this. And at this point, we want to be able to pull it into this assembly. So we're just going to move this toolbar over to the side. 
we're going to place in that part that we just created and we're going to tell it to use iMates. So you'll notice that the iMate, it's automatically looking where it can be constrained to in the assembly. And I can tell it to go to the next, let's see if we can get that to where you can see it, go to the next component iMate. So it'll just cycle through each of the different variations. But we're going to tell it to place both of those and we can see that it's constrained in place. So that was just a, a great way for us to, to tell it how to be constrained. Now in setup, I actually in this knob I had an iMate on the little boss and then on the nozzle here I had an iMate on the, the hole. So you still have to add that information but the iMates are great if you're if you're placing components in an assembly that you do it quite often like uh, maybe a couple of flanges or if you have hinges you can pre-set up the iMate configuration so when you place it in the assembly it automatically goes wherever it can. Um, so once we've set this up, right now we don't have it in an I assembly. So similar to the I part, we want to be able to come over and tell it that we want to author an I assembly. So we're going to tell it to add a new row just as we did with the I part. And I'm going to do 100 millimeters for the member. We'll do 100 millimeters here. And then I'm also going to do 120 millimeters for the second one. And then we're going to make sure that it's set to member scope and not global spo uh, scope. And then easy enough here, we want a short version and a long version. So we're going to come into this the uh, housing and change the component to be from, in fact it looks like we have uh, a long version and a short version. So let's go to the shorter, in fact let's make sure here. Let's, uh, let's come over to our table and we can see the 120 and the, the 100. We're going to make sure that the 100 is activated and it looks like we need to specify that this is going to use the 100 millimeters and then we also want to go to the arm and we're going to tell it to use the 100 millimeters as well. So now since we had this set at member scope it's easy enough for me to go to the 120 everything's in its fully the, the full length if we go to the 100 meters so it's very easy for us to set that up we created an I part an I assembly and then really I think the key thing here especially if you're new to creating I parts or I assemblies is use this member scope now make sure though if I at some point later on realize that I want to change the whole diameter or something globally you know it may be that we want a different size hole I would want to set this back to a global scope so if I edit this and make this part in one in, in one member I change the diameter to be larger it'll update it across all members so you know I do find myself jumping back and forth between a member scope and a factory scope so it's doing it globally um, but those are just a couple of real quick tips for that now to round this off usually what I'll do once I've got a couple of configurations is generate the files this just makes it easier when later on when I start placing these in assemblies that the files are already generated but we also want to create a drawing so you'll notice so we can come in here specify the assembly that we're using and we can also tell it the model state that we want so we're going to use the hundred millimeters one we want a right view and so we're use, we're creating the shorter version and then let's also come in we use the same assembly only this time we're going to create the longer one the right view and we'll place it over here to the side. 
So we have both of these side by side. We have a short version and a long version. And a couple of things that I like to do, we may want to come in and actually align these. So we could, if we wanted to, we could align these together. I'm not getting the line up, but uh, something that's, that's easy enough to do if you want to align those. But uh, let's go into our annotations and I'm just going to tell it that we want to create a table from one of these views and you'll notice in here that it's showing me in this particular table the different members so if I added additional members to this it would it would get pre-populated with that information as well so just a, a real quick overview some of the iParts, iAssemblies capabilities we also have iFeatures that you can create and also while you're using configurations don't forget about uh, positional representations, view representations and um, LOD representations. So this is a really great way you can have uh, an assembly. We could show this in an open state and a closed state. Have it show the different states in the drawing, and you know, regardless if it's an an I assembly or not. So some really great capabilities that we have all built in. This is in Inventor 2008. Pretty much everything that you've seen here, you should be able to do in Inventor 11. Although the the table, I don't remember exactly what the tables do. But uh, most of this you should be able to do. So hopefully that's beneficial. And until next time. Well, hopefully this was something that you found beneficial. It's something that you can use in your day-to-day -day workflow in Inventor. And hopefully you learned a few things that you weren't aware of with iParts and iAssemblies and some of the other things that we covered. And as always, we always enjoy feedback. So if you have anything that you liked, you didn't like, or if you have any ideas for future tips and tricks, certainly shoot me an email and let me know. And um, as always, it's great to have any listeners out there. So pass along this to any of your friends or coworkers and keep coming. So with that, hopefully we'll see some of you at AU in the next, uh, next month in November, end of November in Las Vegas. Handful of us from the blog community that will be having classes. I have a, a beta class that's going to be going over a lot of the new functionality in the next version of Inventor. Uh, you've got to be a, a beta uh, you've got to be signed up to be a beta user at that point. Um, also, I'll be doing one with uh, collaboration type tools, so Studio, uh, Inventor presentation files, and then DWF. So number of things that if you're going to be there might be a good class to come to if you're doing any type of rendering or presentations. And it's always nice to, to meet different, uh, different Inventor users at these events, so if you're going to AU, certainly shoot me an email be great to, to meet up with some of you and, and get tips and tricks and, and answer any questions or whatnot. So with that, we'll talk to you later.